thank you everybody for a new um coming back for a new episode i talked to jordan he's feeling a little under the weather today and we will resume with the profits hopefully next week uh depending on how he feels um aside from that we should uh we're gonna continue with reaching the lost sheep and moving on to the book of zachariah so as we're doing this, this is supposed to um, kind of be like an apologist overview to give you an example of what Jews believe, uh, different you know sorts of Christianity, and why they kind of attribute it to falsehoods, and how we are supposed to reach them. Um, so crosses, for example, um, crosses have been around for a long time. You know, whether or not we attribute it to Christianity, because Christianity is, uh, the cross is the symbolism of the sacrifice of the Messiah and what he has done, um, sacrificing his life for the sins of the world. Um, it's the uh, cross that we use to symbolize our faith. We don't worship the cross. This is what we need to make abundantly clear to a lot of people. We're, we're not worshiping the cross. We wear a cross to just symbolize who we are. Um, it's a symbol of what, who we are and what we represent. And if anybody does wear a cross necklace, I would urge you to act accordingly to Scripture and the Gospel so we don't get misrepresented. Uh, same thing is like if you see a person with one of those fish bumper stickers on the back of the car. You don't want somebody coming out, you know, with a baseball bat because uh, they cut you off in the middle of the road. <laughs> you know, um, I have seen that before. I live near Boston, and people can be some pretty crazy drivers over there. So, that said... Um, the Jew, the Jewish people uh, look at the cross today and they pretty much symbolize it to Catholicism. And as I've also debated uh, Catholics before of different things and they reference the catechisms and all this other stuff, where I say we should only go by scripture and what the Bible says over, the, um, over what a doctrine states. Um... They, uh, they, they look at, you know, Catholicism as the same way as Protestants can kind of see what Catholicism is, is we look at saints and, um, forms of idolatry and stuff like that, you know, while Catholics defend their stance on it, but when we look at we're not here to try to talk about Catholics and, you know, Protestants. We're looking right now at the, the Jewish ideas. And the Jewish idea is they look at a cross as a Catholic, uh, a Catholic um, symbol. Now, what if, I was to what if I was to tell you guys that the Hebrew scriptures in the Tanakh literally state... Um, that Zechariah, a prophet who lived around 600 B.C., said that the Messiah would be rejected, pierced, and killed by his own people. So, when we think about it, um, Zechariah um, prophesies in chapter 12 about the end of days during which the people of Israel would ret return to the land of Israel. 
and they would be the focus of global attention and the hatreds towards the people, um, and that the hatred to, uh, of the people of Israel would attempt, intensify. Basically, it would lead many nations attacking the Jewish people in abundant, uh, abundant war. Um, we can see this kind of referenced uh, in Zechariah 12, th uh, 3 verse 4. On that day I will make Jerusalem of heavy stone for all the peoples. All who lift it will surely hurt themselves, and all the nations of the earth will gather against it. When we look at history, we see um, from Roman conquest and, uh, you know, Greek conquest and all these different people who occupied Israel at the time, they became kind of like this punching bag at the time as for different nations to try to take over. Um, the rest of the nations, Israel would feel like a heavy, troublesome stone so much that they grew tired uh, of, of existence. Um, as Zechariah 12, 8 through 9 states, On that day the Lord will protect the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so that the feeblest among them on that day shall be like David, and the house of David shall be like God, and the angel of the Lord going before them. And on that day I will seek to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem. So, in that verse, God promises in that day when all Israel's enemies gather against him, he himself will intervene. However, God's intervention is not in the concept of our mentality. We cannot lean on our own understanding, because God has a different plan for stuff. And it goes far beyond a physical dimension. It was a spiritual a spiritual aspect that God was talking about. Verse 10 says, um, Zechariah 12.10, which is one of the main ones that we're talking about in this, is, And I will pour out on the house of David and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and mercy, so that when they look upon look on me, on him who they have pierced, they shall mourn for him, as one mourns for an only child, and weep bitterly over him, as one weeps over the firstborn. That's Zechariah 12.10. When we reference the Bible, we reference uh, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, or Yeshua, as the firstborn of Jesus, you know, the firstborn. And Jesus was a very different kind of person in the world. He was humble, he was kind, he was compassionate, he was giving, he was selfless. But he wasn't afraid of authority. When Pharisees and rabbis and all these other people would rise up against him to challenge him, it was the people who were following these Pharisees and these rabbis that would follow the traditions that honored them. And Jesus spoke about this in the Bible. You honor the traditions that honor yourselves, not the ones that honor God. And when we look at this and we, we conceive this, we look at the world today. And what do we do today 
that honors God. Not a lot of people honor God the way that we should. We honor God in, you know, we don't honor the traditions that honor God. We honor our own traditions that were dictated to us through the past, and we adopt them because we were taught that they were the right ones. I, essentially leading people astray. Um, I could go on and on about that, but we'll continue with the lesson. So, Zechariah prophesizes at the end of the days that God will pour out his spirit on the people of Israel. Now, when we think of the spirit, what do we think of in, in Christianity? We think of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> and when Jesus came, he stated that he came for the lost sheep of Israel. So this is where this, this, um, this lesson is leading. Uh, and the first part of it was the lost sheep of Israel. And um, so when we look at it, it's in uh, Matthew fifteen twenty four. But he answered, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Um, and Zechariah states in this that I will pour out on the house of David the inhabitants and the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and mercy so that will look upon me on him who they have pierced. They, have they, they shall mourn for him as one mourns for an only child and weep bitterly over him as one weeps for the firstborn. We see that through the entire gospel that Jesus has done numerous occurrences where he was blessed by his father. Um, we see in Matthew 15 they talk about traditions of elders. We talk about um, honor the mother and father, you know. Uh, we, we, we see so many different things that Jesus attributed to the Tanakh in the Ten Commandments and uh, the things that the Jewish people um, looked at. So when we read Zechariah 12.10, does this mean salvation is only for the, the house of Israel? You know. Well, when Zechariah prophesizes this, that God would pour out his spirit for the people of Israel, they will look onto him and understand that they have pierced him. This will lead to national mourning, similar to the grief of a family whose firstborn died. It will be a sudden realization that this man, the Gentiles called Jesus or Yeshua, as he was called in the land of his birth, was wrongfully blamed for the Jews' trouble. The Inquisitions and the Crusades is actually the Messiah. When we look at all this, we see that when we look through history, Jesus became the the father of basically the the Christian faith he he became this identity that we all abide in you know um, the spirit of God you know we, we look at him as God as the son of God as part of in the Trinitarians belief the tri uh, as part of the Trinity the Father the Son the Holy Spirit um, the reason why I say Trinitarian belief is because I've come across many people that listen to some of my sermons that are not Trinitarians, and 
I, I don't know what to tell them anymore. But, um, but when we look at it, why will there be such grief across the nation? And this is where we got to understand is that the understanding will sink in. The Jews killed somebody and rejected him for thousands of years, calling him names, persecuted him. Um, the Jewish who acknowledged him and everything uh, was like a, a small portion of the people that wanted him crucified because the Pharisees would manipulate and all that. And we see that today in churches. Today. When we see that today in churches, we see um, idolatry. We, we, we see uh, welcoming of sin. We, we see sins that are being carried out in many different aspects in Christianity that shouldn't be there. We see more of motivational speeches than the actual word of God. And this is where we need to come together and understand what Jesus really is. Um, so when we look and we understand scripture, we, we see that God is the speaker. God is the one who would pour out his spirit. God is the one whom the people of Israel look. God is the one whom the people of Israel have pierced. Just as rejecting the prophet sent by God is, was the equivalent of rejecting God himself. And Jesus even spoke about this in the New Testament, you know, that they killed the prophets and stuff like that. Piercing the Messiah is piercing God himself. God revealed himself to us in the form of the Messiah, whom we have pierced and rejected as a nation. So when I say that, I'm saying that in uh, the, the distinguishment of Israel, or the Israelites and stuff, they distinguished him as, uh, and rejected God, their God, as a nation. But when he died, he became a sacrifice of atonement for the sins. Now you have to understand, God works in ways beyond our understanding. When people think about all the different aspects of what Jesus, of what the Messiah should have been, they were thinking it's going to be some great, lavish, you know, warlord king dude that's going to, you know, come out on a majestic steed and have a golden sword that is sharper than, you know, a million, you know, blades. And, you know, with one strike, all their enemies would fall and all this other stuff. That, that's not in Scripture. Don't quote me on that or anything like that. That's just me giving a dramatic example of what they believed the Messiah was going to be. But the Old Testament affirms what God was going to do. They also said that, you know, that none of his bones would be broken. And what a lot of the uh, Roman soldiers would do is they would break the legs of the people crucified to see if they were still alive or if they finally passed away. Well, they ended up, one of the soldiers pierced, the si uh, pierced his side with a spear, and at once there came out blood and water. That's in John 19.34. And it's interesting because when um, John mentioned that, both blood and water came out of Jesus. 
when you read for in ancient uh, in ancient times and stuff like that, like during the old old eras and stuff, they found it particular that John wouldn't e- would even bother mentioning that because it, it's kind of like oh you're piercing somebody, blood's gonna come out, you know. But today it's common knowledge that when people die, physiologically speaking, they undergo um, kind of like an effusion. Um, the blood is separated into a clear liquid and uh, red blood cells, and that is exactly what John saw. It proves that the person indeed died. So, Zechariah's prophecy is quoted later in the Old Testament in the book of Revelation. The first chapter quotes Zechariah in the exact same contents, the return of Jesus the Messiah and the acknowledgement of his people towards Israel, Um, towards the Messiah they have pierced and rejected. Um, We can read this in Revelation 1, verse 7. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who have pierced him. And all the tribes of the earth wail on the account of him. So, one of the ancient interpretations, when we go into, uh, like, the aspects of the Talmud, uh, explains that um, the prophecy of Zechariah means that the Messiah, the son of Joseph, must die. He is, according to ancient Jewish tradition, tormented and suffering Messiah. So, why is it a surprise that the New Testament attributes the verse to Jesus? the Messiah who suffered and died on the cross. So when we look into the Babylonian Talmud, compared to, you know, uh, other verses, it says, one holds that it was the Messiah, the son of Joseph, who was killed, as written in Zechariah 12. When they look upon me whom they have pierced, they shall mourn for him, as one mourns for an only child. Um... That was uh, in the uh, Babylonian Talmud, Trichet Saka, chapter 5. So, let's look uh, in the terminology. We see Joseph was rejected by his own people. He was exiled by the Gentiles. He was believed to be dead, forgotten entirely. The Gentiles welcomed Joseph and became great and important leader. He performed miracles and wonders in their midst. Joseph appeared before his brothers. They didn't reject him and accepted him, and they mourned for him with bitter tears. When we see that, we're going to look at the Messiah now. Like Joseph, Jesus was rejected by his own people, exiled to the Gentiles, believed to be dead, forgotten entirely, Jesus was welcomed to become a great and important leader to the Gentiles. He continued to perform miracles. And as the prophet said, one day, like Joseph, Jesus too will once be welcomed by his own people, who will mourn deeply for him. We could go more and more into the Babylonian Talmud and stuff, but it's kind of pointless to just keep going into something that it's not fully in scripture but 
when we look at this, we understand and see a parallelism. And this is something that I do a lot with my scriptures and my readings, is I parallel the Old Testament and the New Testament to understand what is going on. And when I understand this, and I see this firsthand, I, um, I reflect it, and I can see where the truth is. So we see that the truth in Zechariah, and the New Testament, and in the book of Revelation, and uh, even in Babylonian Talmuds, that it is <clears throat> part of, you know... Uh, a huge aspect of the Messiah's prophecy, of Jesus being the Messiah, the Son of God, God himself, and everything that was said to happen will happen. Now, people, uh, atheists, uh, Jewish people, agnostic people, you know, they wonder, how come it's been over 2,000 years, uh, or nearly 2,000 years, and um, Jesus still hasn't come back yet? That is a thing that we will never know until it comes. I don't care if you claim to be a prophet. I don't care if you claim to be an apostle. I don't care if you claim to have heard it from God himself. Jesus said, not even he knows, only the Father knows. Therefore, anybody saying this otherwise is saying that they know more than Jesus. And Jesus knew more than anybody that was on earth. He knew what was going to happen to him. He knew who was going to betray him. He knew the sacrifice that was going to happen. And he knew all the consequences that were going to occur. When we look into this, we'll... Uh, we see that in Zechariah, the prophecy of the pierced Messiah corresponds not only with Isaiah in chapter 53, but also King David's prophecy in Psalms 22. So right now, as we look into parallelism, the aspect of uh, corresponding different verses in the Bible in parallel to find truth in nature, we see that in Psalms 22, it's King David's prophecy. In Isaiah 53 and Zechariah, we see that they all correspond to each other almost in direct testament to the New Covenant, the New Testament, um, of which we all abide by um, through Christ Jesus our Lord. Um, so... A lot of this refuting um, the rabbi, uh, teach teaching uh, objections to Christianity um, have been uh, from a uh, partner. Uh, my ministry, like the part, uh, the ministry I partner with, one for Israel. Um, it's been uh, helped and taught by uh, this other apologist uh, I know of, named Eaton Barr. He uh, influences this and um, when we look into it and we understand what the the Jewish people believe him being Jewish himself from Israel he explains this stuff 
And when we see that, and we see how somebody from a Jewish aspect, and we understand what the Jewish people believe about Christianity, we can see why, and essentially why, in essence, they do not believe Jesus is the Messiah. And it's not because they don't believe in the gospel. It's because they've been mistaught the Old Testament. And they've been mistaught, and then we, we look at Christianity today. We give such um, reverence to pastors, and we give such... You know, we look upon them, and we, we listen to what they say. We see people like Joel Olstein and Paula White and all these different people who will preach things, but they're, they're away from the actual messages that we're supposed to be taught. When we're being taught the Bible, when I teach the Bible, I go strictly by the Bible itself. I open up the Bible, I write down the verses, the parallels, and I explain it to you. I try to parallel them so everybody can understand the truth in the nature of God's Word. I don't go by a doctrine. I don't go by a... Uh, specific uh, book that somebody else wrote. Um, I don't go by the Quran. I don't go by the catechisms. I go by scripture alone. By God's word as a whole. I don't... I want to give you guys the best possible way to understand God's word. And as Jordan will come back... He also believes in the same thing. We go by scripture alone. We understand through God's word what it means to be a Christian. We understand that by, one, accepting Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Two, you know, being baptized by the Spirit. Three, by repenting for any sins that we have done and trying to turn away from them. I want to make that clear turning away from the sins that we've done. And overall, to love each other as, we lo as Jesus loved us, as one of the commandments he gave. So, I want to take this time and say, if any of you are inspired or want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, as we went through Zechariah, um, you can uh, click on the link below where it says the sinner's prayer, or you can go into episodes and find the sinner's prayer and recite it. When you recite that prayer, you're accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you will be given the gift of salvation. Um, I'd urge you to get baptized uh, if you if you can, being baptized of the Spirit. Um, uh, I went to a Baptist church when I got baptized, and um, I was baptized by my pastor. And um, it, it's honestly one of the greatest feelings you'll ever have in your life. It's very refreshing. Um, and then you become a new person. You become better in who you are. <clears throat> We're all going to stumble and fall, but... As Christians together, we are a family. 
we are brothers and sisters in Christ and we uphold each other and we try to be there for each other when we can so I do hope that you know all of you take this lesson and understand um, where I'm where I'm going and how I'm trying to teach you guys you know the correct parallelisms in the Bible and um, I do hope you guys find your way to Christ. God bless you all. Have a, uh, a blessed day. And we'll see you hopefully next week to continue the, uh, the Book of the Prophets with Jordan.